titled Silencing the, Silencing the Other Voices. Today we're going to be talking about silencing the voice of fear. And this is the seventh sermon. I think I got about 25 if I stick to it, but I pray that you will pray with me that that could become a book. It's been a blessing. Hasn't it been? Hey, man, you all sound a little, I can bear, maybe it's my ears. Say amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look with me at verse number six, chapter 13. When the, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, terrified, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. Verse 7. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As Saul, he was still, as for Saul, he was still in Gilead. And all the people followed him, trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilead, and the people were scattering from him. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. God, we thank you that whenever we lift up our voice in earnest declaration, you hear us, and every treasure that is stored in heaven is now available. Every arsenal in your supernatural weaponry is now accessible to us. God, the hidden things are available to us through prayer. And God, we want to just whisper to you as we stand before you, touching and agreeing, that we want you to stop by. Father, if you stop by, we will not leave the way we came in. You said if we would open up a door that you would come in. And so we invite you. Have a seat, oh God. We know that you are most comfortable when we are praising you. And so, God, we invite you to inhabit, to feel most comfortable in our praise. And somebody ought to praise him right now. Say thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. We invite you here. Be welcomed in this place. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. We have so many exciting things are in the, that are in the works. We have our life groups that's coming up. We have our watch night service that is on the horizon, our biblical academy, and we have some amazing young people in our church that have exceptional gifts with uh, the multimedia ministry, uh, even Sister Genesis, we done hired and, and not hired. We, we, done, we, done, uh, uh, we have been enlisted uh, Malachi and Genesis to take pictures that we're going to be showing on the website. We are a church that is on the move. Amen. Amen. Grace of fear. Uh, some years ago, there was a tragic fire in southwest Philadelphia. Uh, it actually was a four-alarm fire in one of the row homes that spread to neighboring homes. By the time the fire department had arrived, everyone in the house had escaped, at least they thought. Everybody 
was under the impression that the youngest girl had come out with another family member but was just somewhere in a different location. When they realized that the little girl had not come out, they informed the firemen that their child was inside and that she needed to be rescued. And so the firemen went into the house, the burning house, and they searched every room. They got to the little girl's room and they called her by name. They repeatedly called her by name and there was no response. And by the time that they had uh, called the last time the fire was so uh, out of control that the firemen barely escaped with their lives. And once they uh, got outside, they just assumed like the family that the daughter had gotten out only to discover that the little girl had been killed in the fire. They found her in her closet with her favorite doll in her arms. And the fire department, they were brokenhearted because they had gone into the little girl's room and they had called her name repeatedly and she never responded. And the mother of the child, trying to console the firemen, said the reason she didn't respond is we trained her not to respond to the voice of a stranger. Now, while on the death certificate, it was recorded that the cause of death was accidental death by fire. The real reason that little girl perished in that fire was because of four words, a four-letter word, fear. It was fear of the voice of strangers that kept that little girl in the closet and ultimately cost her her life. While some fear is good and healthy, fearing the wrong things can literally cost you your life and prevent you from ever fully realizing your potential in Christ. Unfortunately, there are far too many Christians hiding in the emotional closet because of fear. We stand before you and we appear to be confident, but inwardly we are quivering, we are shaking, we are terrified at the possibility that we might make a mistake. Fear, fear grips the hearts of far too many Christians. The funny thing about the voice of fear that is ungodly fear is that the very danger that we are trying to escape has potentially devastating consequences. Doctors have found through research that fear weakens our immune system. It can cause cardiovascular damage, gastrointestinal problems such as ulcers and irritable bowel syndrome, and decreased fertility. It can shut down your reproductive system. It can lead to weight gain. And uh, one of the things that they're saying about the COVID is that our hair has stopped falling out and we have gained weight in the place of lost hair. We've gained weight uh, during the pandemic. Fear can cause you to gain weight. It, it can cause you to experience uh, fear of being involved in a committed relationship. That's why many of our young men 
are not willing to make that final commitment to a woman. They're afraid that it ain't going to work. They're going miss to miss out on something. And I, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not very happy with too many of our young men who are single who should be preparing to get married. Preparing to get married, that pleases God. And you will not find your purpose and your, your comfort until you are making up your mind that if, 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 you don't, if you don't have the gift of singleness, you need to zip it up and step up by growing up in spiritual maturity, Lord. And I didn't even have that here, but praise the Lord. Somebody needed to hear that. And so a fear of committed relationships, accelerated aging, and even premature death. You can worry yourself to death. Someone has defined fear as false evidence appearing real. Most of what we fear never happens. As we consider the voice of, as we consider how the voice of fear sounds, we need to understand the reason why we are so comfortable and vulnerable to fear when it is speaking to us. Now, I didn't tell anybody to turn the air conditioner on. Amen. Praise the Lord in the name of Jesus. <laughs> God is good. We fear, we listen to the voice of fear. It's because it's familiar to us. And the reason it is familiar to us is because we recognize the voice of fear because it's our own voice or the voices of those that we have learned to trust through our experiences with them throughout the years. It's the voice of our parents. It's the voice of our peers. It is the voice of our old experiences that we hear through our own voice, and we are most comfortable with our own voice. We have learned to trust those voices, even though what we have learned through the voice of fear keeps us in bondage. There are things that you're never going to try because the voice of fear is yelling in your ear that you can't. Now, here's how the voice of fear sounds. Here's how you can recognize the voice of fear. Fear tells you to run when nobody's chasing you. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, the Bible says, The wicked flee when no one's chasing them, but the godly are bold as lions. Now, here's what it looks like when we're running when nobody's chasing us. You find yourself filled with anxiety. Your hands are perspiring. You can't get your words right. You're stressed and you don't know why. You're feeling nervous for no apparent reason. You're running. You're physically stationary, but your heart is racing. Your thoughts are racing. You're, you, you, are, you, are in the, you are in a state of constant fleeing because your, your heart is gripped with what fear is telling you about how you look, how you sound, how smart you are, 
how you how you are dressed and what you drive. That fear will make you run when nobody's tell you to run when nobody's chasing you. Fear will tell you to remain when God has told you to flee. We remain in toxic, ungodly relationships where people are beating up on you, verbally abusing you. The Bible talks about come out from among them and be ye separate, say the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and be not unequally yoked with, with unrighteousness, with what fellowship that does unrighteousness have with righteousness, because these two are contrary to one another. Instead, we find ourselves staying in toxic relationships where people are leading us away from the Lord, because if we break up, we don't have anybody. Who are we going to eat lunch with? Who won't be our friend on, on Facebook, on Twitter? And so we engage in conversations that are unhealthy and vex our spirit because fear tells us to remain when God has told us to flee. Some of us have been on jobs that we should have left 20 years ago. Some of you are living where God told you to move from, but you just don't know. If I move, maybe, maybe, if, what if. Here's another thing that fear tells. Fear tells you to rely on your own strength to protect yourself, your money, your health, your networking, your alarm system, your weapons, your kickboxing. I can handle my business, your accomplishments. So fear said, you can handle this. You don't be trusting no man. Don't be trusting God. God helps those who help themselves. You take one step. God will take two. I'm saved, but I'll knock you out. We fear say you got to do what you got to do. Fear tells you to refuse to take risk outside of your comfort zone. You're cool with the predictable so that you can remain in control. There's some people where everything has to be scripted. Anything that's not planned, they don't want to be a part of it. And so if, 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 it, if, it, if it makes you, you, you want to laugh when you're ready to laugh. How many people plan to laugh? It's, 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 it's spontaneous, but no, you, you got to know when to laugh. You got to get a cue card. That's what fear tells you, because they might see a missing something, maybe a tooth ain't there, something's a little crooked. Somebody say amen. Fear tells you to resist totally surrendering to God because you might miss out on something. So when you get older, a little older, when you finally settle down, and maybe you will consider, we, we have so many Christians that are 50% in. I want you to understand that 50% in is not in at all. We got one foot in the world, one foot in the church. We don't love God like that, and we act like we're doing God a favor. We're not doing God a favor. And because we're not all in, look at the mess we in. And it starts at the house of God. Fear tells you to remember how you got hurt in the past. And it tells you to protect yourself so that it will never happen again. I'll never let anybody get that close to me again. And so you've been married three times and under, can't understand why your marriage isn't what it could be. It's because you've got a, a gigantic emotional fence trying to protect yourself. Fear says you have to protect yourself because somebody can hurt you. They did it before. Sometimes the day they did it before, they didn't died and been, in, been wherever they are right now. You still allowing them 
to dictate your freedom in the Lord. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's liberty. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. Fear not man who can only destroy your body, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Fear tells you to reject what God has said about you while accepting and prioritizing the opinion of people. The Bible says that the fear of men is a dangerous snare, but those who trust in God will walk in safety. People will kill you and themselves if you disrespect them on Facebook, on Twitter. What people say about us matters more than what God says. How many followers we have and how many likes today. So our opinion of ourselves is being based on what people think of us. Fear will lie to you and say, you have to get the approval of others to be somebody. Here's the last thing, and there are many things that fear tells us, but fear tells you to replay recorded negative tormenting thoughts that keep you in bondage. Fear can be like an armed robber that attacks you unexpectedly. It sticks you up and robs you of your joy and your peace. You're having a wonderful day, and all of a sudden, from nowhere, you are gripped with fear. When you are gripped with fear, you will be under its control and even overwhelmed until you decide to stop submitting to it. The Bible talks about King Saul, that he was tormented by a spirit of fear. He would just be fine one minute, and the next minute he was overcome by fear and jealousy, and he'd be flinging a spear trying to kill David, who he considered his enemy because of his insecurities. Fear is like a robber. You can be in church and enjoying yourself. You meet somebody, you're having a good conversation, and then you remember you forgot to put your lipstick on. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Just brush your teeth. I don't care about your lipstick. Anyway, praise the Lord. We move on. Hey, God forgive me. Amen, amen, amen. Let me praise the Lord. But anyway, fear, fear, seriously. We all struggle with it. I talked to someone. They said, I could never pray in front of other people. Why? Why? Because we are more afraid of people, and we've been convinced by those familiar voices that only certain people can pray. The preacher can pray, the deacons can pray, the elders can pray, the, the, the designated prayer warrior in the church can pray. But I heard the word of God say, prayer is simply talking back to him. And he says, if you pray out of sincerity of your heart, that it has great benefit. And your prayer can do for you what Elijah's prayer did for the entire nation of Israel. The Bible says he was a common man just like you and me. If you're ever going to overcome 
life's challenges, you must learn to silence the voice of fear. Now, as we travel back in time, the Holy Spirit invites us to an experience in 1 Samuel chapter 13, the entire chapter actually goes through chapter 15, but we're only going to be looking at some verses in chapter 13 where the nation of Israel has been overtaken by fear. And what we will learn from God's word is how to respond to silence fear when it is trying to control us. And the question for me as I was looking at this passage in the Word of God is, why do many Christians listen to the voice of fear, other than the fact that I've already said that it's a familiar voice, but the reason why fear is so easy, it's so easy for fear to overtake us, is that fear causes you to focus on what you see rather than what God has said. Now, in order to understand what God has said in, this, in the context of chapter 13, you have to go back to chapter 10 in 1 Samuel, verse 8, and I'm going to read a passage, the prophet who is the mouthpiece of God to the nation. Samuel says to the new king, Saul, you shall go down to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait. Say that, you shall wait. Till I come to you and show you what you shall do. Now, he basically got two simple commands. The first was, go ahead of me to Gilgal, go. And then he says, the second man is, wait for seven days. But then he added an adjective to that, that, that injunction. He says, until, until. Now, what we discover is that Saul, like many, understood and accepted the physical responsibility that the prophet Samuel gave him as God's mouthpiece. He accepted the part that he could, that required, didn't require faith. He, he accepted go and wait for seven days. That didn't take any faith. But the spiritual part of the assignment Saul rejected because it required faith. The spiritual part of the command was, until I come. <laughs> That's our issue. We don't have no problem with definite dates and times and places. Our issue is until. Because until doesn't say when. It, it, it says, I will. But in order to deal with the until because he will, and he will because he said he would, it, can't, it requires faith. We got some untils in our life that the Lord is trying to use, as we're going to see. There's a reason for the untils. Now, what Gilgal represented spiritually, it was a place that was a reminder of God's past deliverance. When you study the history of 
Joshua as leader. It was at Gilgal where the nation of Israel, like under the leadership of Moses, walked through the Red Sea on dry land. God said to Joshua that you are going to be my leader as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And so God authenticated Joshua's leadership by allowing the nation of Israel to walk through the Jordan River during flood season on dry land. And then God told the nation through the leadership of Joshua, take 12 stones from the bottom of the Jordan and place them in a monument to, form, to make a monument in Gilgal as a reminder that this is the place where God delivered you in the past. We all need a Gilgal. One of the things that happens when we are afraid, we don't remember that we have been delivered. <laughs> we don't remember that God has never failed us. We don't remember to, to go back to those memorials, those, those experiences to see, I was in this same situation, and God, and God, and God took me across during my flood season to, to, to the land of promise where I was victorious. Gilgal also is a place that represented real life, a real-life test to teach dependence, not just deliverance in the past, but dependence on God. Would Saul be patient? Would Saul walk by faith or by sight? And so you may be at Gilgal, and you can see the past deliverance of God because you have taken notes, you have recorded, you can reflect in your mind that God has been faithful. But now the test is, will you depend on God? Or will you do what James says, count it all joy when you are experiencing diverse trials? Because the testing of your faith work in patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect in all things concerning the Lord. The Lord wants to mature us. And so you're, whatever it is that you're facing that may be causing you fear, it's your Gilgal. And God is saying, will you depend on me? Based on my past track record, will you depend on me? Will you wait until? Will you wait until? Gilgal also was a place that could and did determine Saul's future destiny. How you handle fear will determine your future. It will have an impact on, on future generations. It's not a sin to be afraid. It is a sin to... Submit to fear. Bravery is not the absence of fear. It's the refusal to give in to it. And so what you, how you respond, some of us should have finished something a long time ago, but, because, but, but fear. I'm the first person in the entire generation of my entire family to go to college. In the entire generation of the Benson, no one had ever gone to college. I don't know how many times I felt like quitting, and, and, but what, what, and I didn't have the sense enough to understand that what God was allowing me to do through my dependence on him, that he was impacting a destiny of those who will follow me. And so if you are controlled and bound by fear, it will not only 
destroy what God has for you, but what God wants to birth through you will never be born. We'll see that Saul, because of his decision, because he was controlled by fear, he actually forfeited the future for the generations of his entire tribe. Now, what did the people see? So God said through the prophet, wait for seven days until, 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 until. That's what God said. I don't know what God has said to you about your until situation. You need to clarify that. What has God said? The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. That's where prayer comes in. Ask of God who will not withhold. So once you get some clarity that God is simply saying, you're at Gilgal until. But here's what the people saw. The Bible says in, first, in Samuel chapter 13, verses 5 through 7, I'm not going to read all the verses, but it says, Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and the people and, and people as the sand which is on the seashore, seashore in multitude. Then verse 6, he says, They saw that they were in danger, and the people were in great distress. And so they saw the enemy. They saw the problem. They saw the obstacle. They saw, as we're going to see, why they couldn't. And even though God had said what they saw didn't match what they saw, what, they, what God said. Are you still with me? Now, here's the interesting thing. As I've already said, God doesn't tell us about the until, when, when that's going to happen. Remember when Jesus told the disciples, he said, let's get on the boat and, and go to the other side. And he says, he says, he says, he, he tells them to get in the boat and we will get to the other side. But what he doesn't say is what is going to happen between now and then? What happens between here and there? The in-between. He didn't tell them that there was going to be a tornado. He went, to, he went down to the bottom of the boat. He went to sleep. And while he is sleeping and they're making their way to the other side, the disciples are terrified. They are in distress because what Jesus said did not match what they saw. And then finally, Peter said, Lord, they woke Jesus up. Lord, don't you care? And they're questioning the compassion and the love of the Lord. Don't you care that we're perishing? Now, Lord didn't say there wouldn't be a storm. He didn't say there wouldn't be any difficulties. He didn't say there wouldn't be any setbacks. He never promised that there wouldn't be a cross. As we are in between here and there, but what he said, we're going to get there. We're going to get there because all things, all things are working together for your good. Somebody say amen. When what we see doesn't match what God has said, here's what fear does. Fear causes us to flee. The Bible says that the people hid from their enemies. They hid from their enemies. Fear will cause you to, to fear. You don't want to deal with marital problems. You don't want to talk about them. Uh, I'll look at the bills later. You don't want to call, you, uh, tell them I'm not here when the bill collected. It causes you to flee. It will cause you to procrastinate, make excuses, blame others. Hide to avoid uh, dealing. You, you see somebody coming, you, 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 you go to the other side of the church, and you stay in your car and don't even come into church. It 
lets other people take your punches. Fear when you're fleeing will cause you to deny that you have a responsibility. Some people will drink, turn to drugs. One of the things that has happened during the pandemic is we've had more people die as a result of drug overdose. Not because the drugs are better than they've ever been, but because people are in a state of terror and fear. Others spend money that they don't have when you are controlled by fear. And so the people fled. They hid in caves. They, 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 they deserted. And here's the funniest, craziest thing, is when we are afraid of stuff, we stay away from church. We ain't reading our Bible. We ain't praying. We ain't talking to no spiritual people. We're looking for the most carnal person to tell us what we want to hear. We'll even quit a church to go to another church to hear what we want to hear so we feel better about what we're terrified about. And guess what? Wherever you go, it will follow you there if you didn't deal with it here. Here's another thing that happens when we are controlled by fear, when fear is speaking and we're listening. Failure to wait on God. The Bible says after seven days, Saul decided, hey, I don't see this joke. The pastor said he was coming. Now, what's interesting is we're not told when the seven days started. So Saul, so, so, so the prophet Samuel said, in seven days I'll be here. That didn't mean that the seven days started when Saul and the prophet were talking. So the seventh day could have started the next day. All I know is by sight, King Saul started counting. <laughs> the moment that one day, two days, three days, four days, he ain't here. Check ain't here. I might go sell him drugs again. Check ain't here. They haven't apologized yet. I might as well just cuss them out. They'll, they'll apologize. I've been trying to get them to come to church and read their Bible. They haven't come yet. They put some Jesus cookies in their, their lunch pail and, 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 and blast them out on, and you'll call them, hey, honey, are you saved yet? Your workers, I was uh, in the ICU the other day. And the man was barely able to talk and he get a call from his sister. And she started speaking in tongues. And loud, everybody in the ICU it was ridiculous. It was embarrassing. She didn't know what she was saying, and God knows that poor man didn't know what she was saying. All it, all it represented to unsaved people is what the Bible says. It, they sounded like barbarians. And so when you're trying to hurry up God and make God your errand boy and he got to do it your way, you, will, you won't wait on the Lord. You'll pick an Ishmael instead of waiting on the son of promise. You take seconds rather than maintaining a standard. You will, you will, you will conform to this world just to have somebody that don't really want you. They're they using you. Tell your wait on the Lord. What, 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 what are you waiting on the Lord for that you, you are? Waiting is not inactivity. It is, it, it is, it is an act of patience. That is, that is confident that, that God is at work. And while he is at work, I'm not worried about the outcome because I know that what he promised he will do. When you're controlled by fear, faulty thinking, fear will make you crazy. Fear convinces you that wrong is right. 
The moment that Saul began to offer up the sacrifice, he operated out. He, he wasn't called to be the priest. He wasn't the pastor of the church. That wasn't his calling. Only the priest could offer up sin sacrifices. This joker said, give me the ephod. Give me, give me, give me the pastor's robe. I'll handle this. So he starts sacrificing. And as he's killing the animal as a sin offering, the prophet Samuel shows up. And he says, what are you doing? What have you done? He said, I, don't, I hear what you're saying. Well, the people were fleeing, and the, and the army was, 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 was mobilizing to attack. Here's the deep thing. Not an arrow had been shot. Not a person had been killed. Not a blow had been, that had, had been inflicted. Nothing had happened. And so he decided, when, when you're controlled by fear, you start, well, I got to do something. I got to say something. No, you don't. Just sit down. Well, if I don't say something, it won't get any better. You're just about to make it worse. So now what happened, as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that, that, might, that he might greet him, acting like everything's cool. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, well, when I saw the people were scattered from me and, and that they did not come, with, when you did not come within seven days, your fault is your fault is your fault. Within seven days, I decided I had no other choice but to do what God didn't choose me to do. There's some things that you just, mm -mm, I'm sorry, I'll pray, I'll stay in the background, I'll wait. He, he decided, and so he said, what you, he said, I felt compelled. If, no, if somebody had to do something, and then the prophet said, what you have done is not only wrong, but there's going to be a grave consequence for you acting outside of your anointing, and most importantly, because you disobey God's word. How many of you know that there's a consequence when we disobey God's word? And so when, when, when you will be thinking wrong when you're under control of fear, you can't even remember your name. You can't remember your phone number. You don't even know why you're going, why you're where you are. Anybody ever experienced that? Or is that only me? You get controlled by fear. You start saying all kinds of stuff out your mouth. And then you feel so stupid. Why did I do that? I ain't going to tell you some of the stupid things I've done under the control of fear. You've done some stupid stuff too. Amen. 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 So faulty thinking, faulty thinking. Well, I'm getting old. I better find me somebody. I better put myself out there. You may put yourself out there, but that's not you, what you're about to do is wrong. Stay with me. Forfeiting your, your destiny. Samuel said, your kingdom would have been forever. God would have established you. You weren't his primary choice. The first king was supposed to come through the tribe of Judah, but God allowed the people to make a choice, and, and so it was from the tribe of Benjamin. But God said, if you had been obedient to me, I would have blessed all of your sons. I would have blessed your family for generations. But because of your disobedience, because, the reason you disobeyed was because you allowed fear to control you. Now, none of your children will reign 
I want you to understand that if you give in to fear, when God told you to do something and you refuse to do it, you are, again, as I've said, this not only affects you, it affects the children that you could have. It affects the marriage you could have had. Instead, you chose someone else because you didn't want to wait. It affects ministry that you can be serving in and flourishing in, but because you're afraid. I thank God that some things that if I hadn't tried, I would be a much better swimmer if I didn't learn when I was old enough to fear that I could die. You know what I mean? Some, some things, I, I, would be, I, would be, I should be fluent in Spanish. I took six courses. In, I mean, we had Spanish for six years. I don't even know how to say my name. I think it's Antonio. <laughs> There's some things that terrify me. Uh, when, it, when it comes to the IRS and, and documentation, my brain just goes, it just goes flatline. I'm better now because I understand that, that there's nothing to be afraid of. You just be honest. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But, but the, the strongest of us can be the, the, the biggest, the most, the largest creature God ever created was an elephant. But don't put a mouse in front of the elephant. That elephant will lose his mind. The strongest man, the strongest woman you know. You put a little insect in front of some folk, they go crazy. They'll crash into 10 cars trying to avoid an ant on the dashboard. And then say it was going to get me. How an ant going to get you? And so there's something that we all, if we're really honest, oh, I used to be afraid of the dark. Oh, my goodness. I would sleep with my Jehovah's Witness Bible under my pillow, <laughs> the Living World Translation. I knew I, was a, I knew I was on my way to hell. I was something else. I was scared to death to die because I was a hellion as a kid. I had sense enough to know. I prayed myself, and he said, I don't, I don't know what this Bible actually teaches, but I slept with it under my pillow every night. That little green Bible. It had the shape of my head in it. I don't know what you're afraid of, but what I know is that if you allow it to control you, the very thing that God has planned for your future, you will never realize it. What does an enemy use to prevent us from facing our fears? The fear of the unknown. The Bible says that the raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three separate companies. One company turned onto the road of Oprah in the, in the land of Shura. Now here's what's interesting. A raider is a person who suddenly attacks a place or a person when you least expect it. So they were afraid of the unknown. That's the greatest source of fear. I talk to people who are dying. They're not afraid of dying. They're afraid of how they're going to die. How are we going to feel? What's going to happen after I die? And these are Christians. We, we, we know what's going to happen. But it's unknown because it's unexpected. So the, the devil, what the enemy uses to prevent us from facing our fears is the fear of the unknown. Fear of inadequacy. They were surrounded by 6,000 chariots. Mismatched. Uh, uh, where the enemy was stationed, it was the entrance of the valley, which meant that even the people wanted to flee, they had no way out. And so they feared inadequate. Do you ever feel inadequate? you ever feel that you just don't have it? 
that you're not good enough. Well, I'm glad you feel that way because the Bible agrees. Paul says, it's not that I have any sufficiency in myself, but my adequacy, my effectiveness, my abilities is because of divine grace. Fear of loss, fear of loss. We're afraid that we're going to lose. That's what fear ultimately is. What do you fear that you're going to lose? I often ask people, if you try this, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Well, they could say no. Yup, they could say yes. When you're controlled by fear, you think the worst first. It ain't going to go right for me. I don't know. I have never taken a test, and I would study. I would memorize. I mean, the Lord just blessed me with a great memory. And I would memorize the, whatever I, I verbatim. Sometimes I'd stay up all night. I mean, I'd be like, <laughs> just stay awake long enough to finish the test. There's not a single test that I ever took that I wasn't scared to take. But here's with my confidence. I can tell you this. There's not a time that I stand in this pulpit that my knees aren't shaking. But what I know is that if I do what God told me to do, and if I simply get out of the way and let the word of God do what it does, it's going to be all right. It's really not about me anyway. I was able to do very well in college because I did my part. And then I left the results to the Lord. And we're afraid to fail. And we're afraid to fail. Saul wouldn't even initiate uh, being proactive because he was afraid. His son wasn't afraid. Some of us, are we just marching place? We going to, we going to. You know, like Wimpy, I'd be glad to pay you for a burger today. I forget the rest of how that goes. We always talk about what we're going to do and, and talking in the future, talking about the past. We don't take no action because we're afraid. So fear fell. Let me hurry up. Now, here's how you face fear. Here's how you face your greatest fears. The first thing that you need to do is identify the source of your fear. Jonathan said, come let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. Jonathan identified the enemy. What are you afraid of? Write down your fears. Ah, oh, I can't. I don't have enough paper. Just, just write down it. Then prioritize. Avoid fearful people when you need to walk by faith. When Jonathan attacked the garrison, he only took his armor bearer. He didn't take the rest of those jokers. There's some people that have a spirit of fear, and their spirit will, is contagious. Fear is contagious, and before you know it, you'll be like the majority. You will be believing man's report rather than what God has said. And so who are you surrounded by? Are you involved with people who have vision, who, who, who speak words of life? And I ain't talking about this name it and claim it. Oh, you're not really sick. You're coughing and snotting and pus coming out of your ears. You sick. I don't care what you claim. You better go take some medicine. I'm talking about people who have confidence. We are confident in this very thing. We, we have faith in this very thing that if we ask anything according to his will that is revealed in his word, God is obligated to do what he said. That's the confidence and the type of people you want to be around. Avoid fearful people. 
recognize that life has risk. When you read about what, Jay, what, what Jonathan did, they had crawl, crawl over crevices, they had slide down rocks and make their way through the dark. And so the fact that you are going through difficulties and, and, and it's not working out as perfectly as you thought, it doesn't mean that you aren't in the, in the center of the will of God. Faith is risky, but it's a hope so that knows so. Refuse to limit God by your limitations. Jonathan said, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing will restrain the Lord from saving by many or by few. Is that your testimony? Are you limiting God based on what your resources are? Are you trusting his unlimited resources? Expect victory. Are you expecting victory? We are, we, the Bible says that we are already conquerors, that we are victors. You already, we are walking in victory. It's already accomplished. Or is, is that your mindset? When you walk into the room, are you thinking that, that the Bible says you are the light of the world and, and that the spirit of God, that light is shining through you. And when people see the light, the light is going to cause them to glorify your father. You already a winner. Do you believe that? Or are you reading the room from your flesh? They didn't speak. They didn't look in my direction. They don't like me. They don't care. So if they didn't like Jesus, they hated Jesus. And he never did anything. But the same Jesus who they hung to on the cross and nailed him, he said, Father, forgive them. Fight fear with faith. With faith. How do you get faith? How do you fight by the sword of the spirit? You need to be quoting the scripture back to the enemy. The devil said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know enough of this word to understand that so shall my word be? And go forth out of my mouth. It will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper whereunto I send it. For the word of God is alive and quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the very joint in the marrow. Fight fear with faith. And here's what God will do for those who silence fear. Let me quickly finish with this. God will torment your tormentors. Whatever's been tormenting you, God caused, when Jonathan killed, he and his armorbill killed 20 Philistines by themselves. And Jonathan was the only one who had a weapon, him and Saul. <laughs> when the Philistines heard that the Israelites had attacked, they became terrified. The fear that the Israelites were feeling, now they were filled. They were, so what God did was torment the tormentors because the people, two men were willing to stand. God will torment your torment. He will break the yoke of authority that fear has in your life. Mishmash, I told you, it was, it was the only way out. 
What God did when the people, the Philistines became afraid and tormented because they thought they were going to be destroyed, God caused the earth to shake. And then the people that were blocking the exit, the mishmash, they fled. And so God broke the yoke of authority. There was nothing holding them anymore. What's holding you? God will break the yoke of that authority. Jesus had all power, and authority is in my hands. He will cause your enemies to flee and make them your footstool. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your in- Oh, Lord, let me go on. He will stir up faith in the fearful. After Jonathan and his armor bearer killed the 20 and God caused the earthquake and the the Philistines become terrified, the people of Israel who had been hiding in rocks and caves, all of a sudden they felt like fighting. All of a sudden they felt like God was on their side. All of a sudden they felt like they could. And so the fearful became fighters. I want you to know that sometimes God is waiting for you to overcome fear because somebody's been watching you. And when you step up and fight for the Lord, they feel like they can fight too. Here's the last thing. Here, I love this one. God will allow you to pursue what's been chasing you. (laughs) When the Israelites mobilized, The enemy fled, and the Bible said they pursued them. (laughs) What's been chasing you? What's been holding you in bondage? What's been telling you you can't? What's been keeping you from stepping up and, and walking into God's destiny for whatever it is? If you surrender, God will allow you to chase what's been chasing you. I remember the story of one of David's mighty men. Stand with me. One of David's mighty men. I think it was Abijah. And that that may be wrong with the name. But the Bible says that he went into a cave on a snowy day to kill a lion. He wasn't running from the enemy. He ran to the enemy on a snowy day. I want you to know that you don't have to run no more. You, You don't have to listen to the voice of fear anymore. I want you to understand that when you identify that the reason you aren't doing this is not because God has changed his mind. It's not because you can't do it. It's because the voice of fear is speaking to you. And it may even sound like God's voice because it's you telling yourself what you can't do. Yeah, you might have failed. Yeah, it didn't work out the first time. But if God is for you, and he is, if God is for you, you can and you will because nothing shall be impossible with God. Why? Because I can do all, how many things? All things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Why? Because my God, my God will what? He'll supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. All I need to do, the Bible says, but seek ye what? First, how, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things. All these things. What, what, what things are you, are you crying out to God for? All these things. All shall be added unto you. Personalize that. It's for you. 
I will not be controlled by fear. I will not believe man's report. I will get up because the righteous man falls seven times. The Lord upholds you in his hand. You will not utterly be destroyed. Do you believe the word of God? Stop trusting in what you see. Trust in what God has said. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are warriors on the winning side. We cannot lose with you on our side. God, may we not run ahead of you. May we not get comfortable with what we are comfortable with. May routine never become our greatest expectation. Father, may we look to you for miracles every single day. Father, may we understand that whenever we speak your word, a miracle can happen. Speak over your situation. The word of God. And he will cause Yokes to be broken, chains to fall off. The enemy will be put to flight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.